Welcome to Yoga Talk, the Yoga International podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kat Hegberg. I'm the editor of Yoga International. I'm your other host, Kyle Rebar. I'm the editor of this podcast. And today, Kyle and I are joined by one of our favorite yoga teachers, and we're going to talk a little bit about self-care during this time of uh, pandemic that we are all currently experiencing. Um, and of course, we always want to remind you that, that yoga teachers, you know, are not therapists, but the yoga teacher that we have with us today happens to be a therapist. And she has a wonderful um, podcast that we will we'll talk about a little bit later too that we invite you to check out that is, um, that is therapy and pop culture focused. Um, but who is with us here today? Hi, I'm Justine Mastin. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. And as Kat mentioned, uh, I've been a yoga teacher for about 10 years. So um, I have diverse interests, but really only one interest, which is um, improving the lives of other human beings. Yay. And um, Justine has a lot of classes on Yoga International as well that you might be familiar with that you could check out. She has some super fun pop culture themed classes. Um, I think you have your Star Wars class is quite popular with our viewers. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) We always get such nice feedback on that one. And you have a Star Trek class as well. I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some other fun stuff to check out. Um, and you're also the founder of Yoga Quest. Mm-hmm. And we did a whole podcast on that too, way back um, when we were at New York Comic Con and the days when we could travel across the country. And <laughs> wow, yeah, that was that years ago now. Yeah, I believe there were, what, five of us? crammed into a car recording a podcast <laughs> while driving around in Times Square. We recorded that podcast <laughs> in traffic in Times Square. That was that was quite the feat. So you can find that in our archives, listeners. Um, but today we are not We are unfortunately not with Justine in person. We are talking via Skype. Um, Kyle and I, um, you know, hold up here in Los Angeles in our little apartment and Justine in her home. And thanks to technology, we can come out to you through the airwaves today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Justine, what would you say are um, just some basic things that have been helpful for you during this time? Some things, um, little self-care tips, little realizations, some wisdom that you might want to pass on to our listeners. Yeah, something that's been really helpful for both myself and my clients um, is something called radical acceptance. And it's very much what it sounds like, right? We, we are just radically accepting our reality right now. Because the, the thing is, and listeners at home, I'm sure you've had this experience where if you anticipate something to be a certain way, and then it isn't that way, it just causes a lot of frustration and grief. And so if we can have some radical acceptance that life's just going to be pretty weird for a little while, you know, that we're not going to know stuff for a while. If we can radically accept this not knowing, then we're going to experience a lot less frustration. Because if we're expecting that the world is going to reopen in three days and the world doesn't reopen in three days, we're going to be really frustrated and maybe angry and sad. But if we can radically accept that we just don't know when the world is reopening, it allows for a little bit more space emotionally. Um, as far as concrete things, get outside. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, so important. Yeah, get outside. Obviously take precautions, you know, 
wear your masks to protect other people, uh, keep your social distance, but get outside, get some sunlight, we need vitamin D, and we need to breathe fresh air. <laughs> you know, we're mammals, we're not meant to live in captivity. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's been so helpful. I know when this thing first started, it felt like there were just so many losses all at once was, I know, a huge experience for me. Then here in Los Angeles, when we went on lockdown, all of a sudden it was like, okay, things are shifting, things are changing, what's going on? All of a sudden we couldn't run on the beach anymore because they closed all of the beaches. Mm -hmm. And it was just this huge sense of, okay, well, what do I do now? Okay, I can't run on the beach. I can still run through the park. Then they closed all the parks. <laughs> so now Kyle and I are, you know, just like going through much shorter runs or walks through our neighborhood. And it's interesting because we did come to kind of that place of acceptance. Like, okay, we can adapt, you know, we can, whatever happens, we can adapt and we can just be really thankful for what we have now. You know, now we're just grateful we can go through our neighborhood and we can discover some new things and we can spend time together and we can spend time in nature. But I know like in the beginning, there was this panic. There was like, everything's getting taken away. What's going on? When is it going to reopen? This isn't going to be okay. And I noticed that gradually gradual shift from the panic and from the clinging and the trying to hold on to like, okay, this is, this is acceptance. This is what needs to happen. And that is so powerful. Yeah. Well, and you know, what was happening there, Kat, is you were experiencing the stages of grief. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah. And people don't always recognize that we can experience grief over any loss. It's not just when somebody passes away. Um, you know, when somebody passes away, we have something to point to and go, this is why I'm sad. This thing right here is why I'm sad. But when it's this sort of thing, what we in the biz would call ambiguous loss, it's a lot harder. Because you're like, uh, I'm sad about the state of things like i'm sad about the loss of my restaurants like yeah but, yeah but it's real it, it is a real loss and it just it's a bit harder to explain and we move through those stages of grief what can a person do who is working with a therapist now in a different context because of covid social distancing what can you do to get the most out of your experience and your time with your therapist um, and how has that shifted? Like if you're not able to see them yeah, in if person. you're not able to see them in person, and mm -hmm. how has this like shifted the dynamic between therapist and um, clients? Uh, clients. <laughs> yeah, what whatever term you want. Um, it's been a strange transition for me because I've never done telehealth before um, as a provider, and now I'm seeing all of my clients. I'm 100% telehealth, so I I see everybody through a HIPAA compliant video chat. It's weird. It's weird for me, and it's weird for them. I know some people have this idea that, oh, it would be so cool to see my therapist virtually because then I can just be in my house and that'll be so comfortable. But you know, for a lot of people, it's not comfortable because suddenly they have invited their therapist into their house. That's not cool for everybody. You know, the idea that your house is this safe space where it would be great to see your therapist, like, that's not everybody's experience. Some people don't like the idea of me being in their space and seeing how they live and where they live. And for me, what's been really cool, my two favorite things about this, because I, you know, I am not a tech nerd. So this has been very hard for me to adapt uh, to the technology I need to use. 
but I love seeing people's pets. Oh, yeah. And the projects that they're working on. So, you know, I get to meet all the animals and then people will say, oh, do, do you want to see the, the minifigures that I'm painting for my Dungeons and Dragons campaign? Or like, do you, do you want to see my knitting project? <laughs> like, yes, I do. Um, so as far as getting the most out of it, we're just really radically accepting that this is what's happening right now, that you have invited me into your home. And so find a space where you feel the most comfortable having me see right? And think about before you talk to your therapist, what do you feel like you need for that hour? You know, do you feel like you just need to vent about how hard things are right now? Because that's an okay use of that time. You don't have to have an agenda. It's totally okay to want to vent. It's totally okay to not want to talk about the pandemic. Maybe you've got other stuff going on in your life that is still going on in your life in the midst of this pandemic. And that's okay too. So what I would say is just give it a little bit of thought before you log on to your therapy session. Like, okay, what do I feel like I need from my therapist today? And you're allowed to ask for that. You, you can say, hey, what I really need today, therapist, is to just talk about how lonely I am. Like, yeah, okay, valid. Let's talk about that. One of the benefits of being able to see a therapist right now is even if you don't talk about anything of quote unquote consequence, you are getting input from another human being in a time when we are really isolated. So just interacting in general is of a benefit. I've noticed so many, like just having conversations with people like friends and loved ones and everything, like I've noticed like so many more people are like seeing therapists now and, you mm -hmm. know, considering that, well, maybe they didn't before. And I think like, I mean, I'm always of the thought that like everybody should see a therapist because it's so <laughs> helpful just to get that outside perspective. Someone who's not your, you know, family member or friend who can kind of look at the big picture and is not invested in you doing something one way or the other necessarily, but just can give you that feedback. Like that's so invaluable. And it's been really cool to see more and more people finding value in that. And it's also been really cool seeing it normalized even more. I mean, I think a lot of like our generation, like pretty much we all see therapists, it seems like. But I know like even in some of like our parents' generations and everything, there's still like maybe a little bit of a hesitancy there. And so the more we can just have these conversations like, hey, therapy's been so helpful during this time, or I discovered this, or I'm using this platform, or I tried, you know, this app or whatever way you might connect uh -huh. with your therapist right now. It's just been really neat to see so many people just kind of being more open about that. A little catchphrase that I have is verbalize to normalize. The more that we talk about this stuff and other people hear us talking about this stuff, the more it becomes a social norm. And then it's okay to see a therapist. In fact, it's it's normal and you know, who knows? Maybe even cool. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm maybe it's a stretch. Uh <laughs> But as long as we're verbalizing to normalize, we're, we're doing microactivism, right? We're putting it out into the world that, yeah, I do this and it's totally cool for me. And other people may be like, oh, well, like if Kat talks to a therapist, I think she's a pretty cool human. So, she, you know, <laughs> maybe this is something I could do. What advice would you give to someone who might be listening and might think, you know, I would really love to talk to a therapist during this time, but I don't know like how to find somebody. I don't know how to go about it, especially when it comes to utilizing online platforms. That is super fair. 
is a super fair question. Um, I would say that the A number one way to look for a therapist is to ask the people in your life if the, if they see a therapist and if they like them. Because some people see therapists and they just stick with them for a long time, even though they maybe aren't a fit anymore. <laughs> so do you have a therapist? Do you like your therapist? Would you recommend your therapist? How do you know if your therapist is a good fit? Like, what should that feel like? Or mm -hmm. what can that feel like? So what I would say is the goal is to feel safe and like your therapist is challenging you. By that, I mean you want to have the safe container where you can explore some stuff and be safe to be uncomfortable because therapy's uncomfortable, you know? Also, if you really like this human, that's a good sign. Uh, but again, checking in like, okay, you could really like this person, but if all they ever offer you is unconditional positive regard, which is a style of therapy, it's called Rogerian therapy. And if they're Rogerian, I mean, you picked a therapist who's only gonna do that. Uh, <laughs> But I would want a therapist who I feel comfortable with, comfortable enough to get uncomfortable, and who strikes me as someone that I, not necessarily someone I would be friends with out in the world, but somebody who gets where I'm coming from. So they don't need to have gone through what I am going through, but that they can, that they can get it or that they want to get it. What I would what I would say to what I would maybe offer to people is that if people are feeling, you know, hesitant about the technology, if they're like, well, I'm not super tech savvy, I really want to see mm -hmm. someone in person, but you feel like you really like do need to talk to someone right now, which so many of us do, um, that it's easier than you think. That there's at least like, I mean, my experience and the experience of other people that I know has been just like you connect with your therapist via email, via however you get in touch with them. And then they send you a link to a HIPAA compliant platform. You click the link, you have your webcam and your audio on your laptop turned on and you're set. That's it. And if you, you know, want to change up your background, you can make it a spaceship or something sometimes. <laughs> and that's Aww. fine. Or you could have... Unfortunately, mine doesn't do that. <laughs> I know. Your cat can be there, anything. But that it's really, it's it doesn't, you don't have to be super, super tech savvy to take advantage of it. Um, and I know some people that I know use apps like uh, Talkspace or uh, BetterHelp, I think is the other one. And I'm not super familiar with those, but like people have said that you can do like, um, you can do that on your phone. You can chat on your phone and use mm -hmm. texting and things like that. And I know that that seems to work well for some people. So I think it's just like easier than you might think it is. Yeah. I'm glad you gave voice to that because I, I know I was griping a little bit about the technology, but what I'm griping about is I'm missing something seeing my clients through a screen, you know? And, and that's part of my acceptance that I need to have going through this process. I don't like it when, you know, their voice isn't super clear or I can't exactly see the minute changes in their facial expression so that I can react to it. And that's my stuff. <laughs> that's not actually about how difficult the technology is to work because it, you're right. You just, you click a link, you're there. I know like before this whole thing started, I really was never much of a, um, a FaceTime person at all. And I didn't like using Zoom. I would always, you know, if I do Google Hangouts, anything for a meeting, um, I would always be like, I'm turning my camera off because I don't want to do my hair and makeup today. You know, my voice should be enough. <laughs> like, I don't like this. Why do we, and you know, there were even jokes and memes about it 
online everywhere like oh we all thought that it was going to be like the Jetsons or Back to the Future where we'd have these video chats and but no one ever uses that because we don't want to look at each other when we talk and it was that way for at least for me for a lot of us for a long time and now I'm noticing I'm just like so appreciating like being able to like I'm looking at you right now because we're Skyping um, and I'm just thinking like it's so nice to be able to see somebody when I talk to them and to look at their face so definitely that has I think that shifted for a lot of us have you guys experienced that too I mean I would say having to do zoom improv classes has been huge I (laughs) I like hate looking at myself and um when you're doing zoom improv you don't you can't do space work and you can't do a lot of object work because you're just a head in a box you know but you really get to hone in on what your facial expressions are doing and how you can convey an entire character just by like what are you doing with your eyebrows? It's gotten me okay with looking at myself, and uh, I think that's been a, a positive outcome, oh, yeah, at least of our of our new, uh, you know, Zoom dependent reality. Yeah, in uh, in therapy school, they make you watch yourself do therapy, and it's mortifying. <laughs> but I have heard some therapists who are having a hard time with seeing themselves doing therapy the whole time. Because, you know, in therapy school, you just had to watch a, a little bit, like maybe one session every once in a while. But now you're watching yourself do therapy all day, every day. It's a lot. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm used to watching myself do stuff like from video. And so because you're a yoga teacher and you do yeah. you teach a lot of your yoga online now. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. yeah. So I guess it bothers me less. I think I was desensitized just from having to uh both watch myself and hear my voice i'm not startled by the sound of my voice anymore on recording (laughs) that's that's always nice to get used to as well yeah um as a yoga teacher are there any tools from yoga that you found especially helpful either for you or your clients during this time I think having any kind of movement practice right now is super important whatever that looks like And yoga, of course, is especially close to my heart, but any kind of movement is great for folks. Studies keep showing us over time that there's nothing better you can do for your mental health than move your body. So any any movements that you can do, um, what I particularly like about yoga is the use of breath work. And I'm encouraging people to breathe right now (laughs) because they're not. (laughs) Uh, we're under a lot of stress and what happens to the body when we're under a lot of stress is that we start holding our breath or breathing really shallow and so if we can you know do some yoga poses and focus on on bringing breath in and letting breath go I think that's even more important than what you're doing with the asana just pick some poses that you like and focus on letting your breath come and go that's what we really need right now is to cool the body. Justine, I have a question about boundaries. How oh, okay. how has COVID um, and stay at home social distancing, how mm-hmm. has social distancing affected boundaries, both work home boundaries, boundaries mm. between people, family, friends, and boundary between teacher, student, therapist, mm-hmm. client? Whew. Okay. Let's, let's open a can of worms. So (laughs) no, it's, it's such a good question. And I do, I love talking about boundaries and this is something specifically the, the work home boundary has been tough for a lot of my folks. Cause I, I work with a lot of 
tech nerds, even though that's not my particularly particular nerdage. And if you work on a computer and you're at home, you could realistically be in the same spot in your home for both work and play and be there all day. The benefit we get from going to an office is that we get this built-in transition time where we're able, even if we're not thinking about it, we're able to make the transition between work and home. So, okay, I am at work, I'm turning off my computer, I'm getting in my car or on my bike or on public transport, and I am headed home. And during that movement, I am transitioning my brain from work mind to home mind. We don't get that when we're working from home. It's a lot harder to do that from the office to the kitchen. Or if, if you're turning, if you're logging off your work to turn on your World of Warcraft, like you haven't moved. <laughs> and so we need to be a lot more mindful about those transitions. Um, and I think this is important in all aspects of life. Like, can we make a mindful transition between things? We don't give enough voice to this in our culture. Um, and truly just taking a couple minutes or moments, if minutes feels too much, to literally just breathe. I, I've been very breath focused, but we need we need that, you know, it kind of kind of keeps us alive. And taking a moment to just let in what you're letting go of and what's coming up. I think of it, you know, I'm very pop culture focused in my work. I think of it like you have just sat down with that new book that arrived and you're just about to open it and start it and you're uh, you're so ready, you've been waiting for it. Or, you know, you sat down at the movie theater for the final Star Wars or whatever your jam is and the, it's counting down three, two, one, and it's just like, oh, I am letting go of the ordinary world and I'm ready to enter the extraordinary world. Um, and so I invite people to just kind of like when you're, when you're logging off, even if you're going to stay in the same spot, I'm logging off work oh, and I'm entering the world of Warcraft. <laughs> funny anecdote my friends in high school so i was in this weird camp where i both played dungeons and dragons and was also like a super football jock my friends in my friends in school um got really into warcraft and they needed another person for their raiding party so they began this multi-month campaign to try to get me to fight with one of them to get me kicked off of the football team so i can spend more time playing warcraft <laughs> Um, Did it work? Them. Did it work? <laughs> no, sadly. You know, a cool tip that's kind of similar that I received one time was I used to um, work at a yoga retreat center, and I also lived at the yoga retreat center because it was in super rural area. Um, and so I found it was really challenging because I would go to work in the morning, and then after work, I was... I was still, I lived where I worked. And so I thought like, you know, it was really easy for me to work all day and then go down to the kitchen and get my dinner, eat my dinner, and then come right back up to my office and just keep working until it was time for bed. Mm -hmm. And I did that often and I knew it wasn't the best thing to be doing. So I talked to one of my yoga teachers and I said, what could I, like, what can I do to like have better I don't think I used the term work-life balance back then, but to, you know, <laughs> have better that. And so one thing that she suggested was she said, when you finish your workday, when you leave your office, 
go outside. And she said, all you need to do is like go outside, walk out the door because that symbolizes I am leaving my office. I'm leaving work. Then you can walk right back inside or you can walk around the building or you can walk up the hill, do whatever you need to do, but just go outside. I am leaving work go inside, I am coming home. And that's something I think you and I, Kyle, even do at our apartment sometimes is we finish our work day and we're like, let's go take a walk and go find some Pokemon. So we finish our work day, we walk out our front door, we check the mail, go for a walk around the block, we come back in, oh, we're home from work now. And it's a nice little transition. Yeah, I love that. A uh, therapy professor of mine would literally brush off her body when she was done seeing clients for the day. So like, I am done. Brush off my arms and my legs and just brush it all off and like shake it off. I have, I've shaken off work for the day. Make like so. a Taylor Swift and shake it off. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what what were you going to say, Kyle? You, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, personal projects. What is the importance of personal projects and when does a personal project stop being a helpful activity and start becoming a pathological drain? Ooh, okay. I am definitely susceptible to the latter. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say there's a very easy answer to the first question, which is meaning. Our, our projects, our creative pursuits are meaningful. Not to go too far down a road, but our, our self, our capital S self, our authentic self thrives on creativity. So that's a self-led activity. It, it feeds the soul, if you prefer that language. Um, as far as when does it become pathological? Well, I get this question a lot. Um, because I work with a lot of creative people and it's, it's that same idea of like, when am I working and when am I not working? Like, when am I creating? And like, is, if my creativity is tied to my work, when am I creating and when am I working? And when is it all too much? Our focus is on balance. If you zoom way out, like you're in a drone and you're looking down from 30,000 feet. I know drones can't go that high. But if you zoom way out and take a look at your life, what does the balance look like? How much time and space is this creative pursuit taking up? If you find that it is eating up some of those more basic self-care activities, then we've probably scooted over into too much. Like I am a person who believes that um, video games are very healthy yeah. and the perception is starting to shift Outlets that used to say, oh, video games, always bad, are suddenly like, oh, video games help you, like, get through this terrible time. Yeah. Yes. And connect with people, too. They're such yeah. a fun way to connect. Yeah. And I, I think that video games are very healthy. I mean, it, it's a tool, right? Any tool is innocuous. Like, a hammer is an innocuous object. A video game is an innocuous object. It's what we do with it and what happens when we use it. So... If you use a hammer to hammer in a nail and then you hang a picture on it, like that was a very healthy use of the hammer. If you use the hammer to break your partner's, uh, I was going to say kettlebell collection, but you can't really break that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fabergé eggs, let's say. <laughs> yeah. You use it to break your partner's Fabergé eggs. That's maybe not a great use of that tool. 
If you find that you are engaging in these creative pursuits to the exclusion of other activities, then it, it might be time to look at your relationship to that activity. I tend to look at everything in terms of relationships. So what kind of relationship do you want with that activity? How, how can we foster that? You know, maybe this activity can't be your only friend and maybe it's your only friend right now. So are we ignoring our other friends like food and sleep and moving our bodies, those friends? Well, then maybe we need to spend a little bit more time with those other friends. Did that answer your question or too nebulous? No, I love it. I love it. And I think that speaks to your earlier comment about like leaving the ordinary um, and the use of, of video games as a tool for doing that. I think there's a lot of growth when you step out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary in the proper, uh, you know, the proper amount. Justine, another question for you specifically, um, because you do so much work with pop culture stuff, um, also in a yoga context, how do you navigate the relationship between yoga and pop culture? Because it's not something I would say that is often talked about. Oh, Oh, I'm a little bit flustered because I feel like they marry so well. And uh, I know that's not everybody's experience, um, nor is it their opinion. <laughs> because I've, I've had plenty of people be like, what you do isn't yoga. And I'm like, nah. um, but my feeling is that yoga is just such a beautiful way to embody experience. And pop culture, specifically narratives, um, which I call modern mythologies, are also how we experience our unconscious, that we can embody our unconscious. It feels completely natural to me. I mean, we've, we have been expressing ourselves through movement since the beginning of time. We, as soon as, you know, before we were drawing on caves, we were probably expressing ourselves through dance and movement. So it makes perfect sense to me that a story could be made into movement and vice versa. Yeah, I love that. I always think it's so funny too that um, sometimes when I'll talk to people about getting really creative or integrating aspects from pop culture or even just um, uh, other things into a yoga class, the answer that I'll get back is, oh, that's so great for kids or kids would love that. <laughs> like, it's okay as long as it's for kids. And I'm like, no, it's I don't want kids at this thing. My <laughs> yoga and chocolate and um, electronic music party is for adults. Thank you. My Christmas-themed yoga holiday Hanukkah party where we all make fun candy cane shapes. This is for adults only. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. There are there there are things for children, but it's just so so interesting that like we're willing to admit, well, if you're a child, it's okay. But we need that too. And I think during this time we need that fun and levity more than ever. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because um, I'm actually I'm working on a paper right now about adult play. Oh cool. Um, yeah. Because Whatever your perspective is, like societally, we don't like the idea of adult play. We all have childlike parts. We all have inner children. And even if you, random person, don't believe that adults are allowed to play, if you believe children are allowed to play and a child lives inside you, do you give that child permission to play ever? Because if you don't, it's going to have a tantrum inside of you. <laughs> 
One of the first lessons we learned in our improv, our first improv class was that as American adult humans, we learn to not behave like a child ever. And the essence of improv is, is just unconditionally agreeing to whatever bonkers reality happens. And you need to relearn how to be a child with wonder again on stage. And for me, I think I'm pretty good at doing this already, but having the extra little kick from improv has made that, that skill so much easier to access in front of other people. It's one thing to do it when you're working on a project at home and you can create a little, you know, musical world at your desk or whatever it is that you might be doing. But then having to do that with other people and in front of other people brings up a whole another world of insecurities. And that's been useful for me to uh, to work through um, maybe in a way that like taking yoga classes and that taking, um, you know, doing like uh, fitness classes and stuff doesn't really get out. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, botching a deadlift in public and being okay with making a little bit of a fool out of yourself. But, you know, it's a different kind of um, intimacy, insecurity that you have to work with. Yeah, well, and I think that those skills carry over so well to yoga classes, too. Um, We've found, like, we've been really pleasantly surprised to find out how many yoga teachers that we work with are also improvisers um, and have done a lot of improv stuff. And to be fair, that might just be because we live in Los Angeles and it's like... (laughs) it's one of those things where you're here for a year and suddenly you're like come to my improv 101 showcase please all my family and friends now I'm officially a Los Angeles resident but it is a really fun skill that I think carries over well for yoga teachers um and there's lots of great improv classes online right now so if you're a yoga teacher and you're bored take an improv class um I kind of want to shift gears before we finish up today, Justine, and I wanted to ask you um, if you would mind talking about your podcast a little bit in case our listeners want to check that out. I I would love to talk about my podcast. So my podcast is called Starship Therapies, which is a play on the Starship Enterprise, um, which is the ship that the folks on Star Trek ride around in. And I'm the captain of the Starship Therapies and my co-host, Larissa Garski, um, who is my my best friend and also a therapist in Chicago. Um, she's my first officer, Spock. And we <clears throat> we do a little bit of a like a radio play about, you know, Kirk and Spock on the Starship Therapies. And then we talk about psychological concepts using pop culture as a lens. And it's not just Star Trek. Like there's episodes for like any fandom you could think of out there Mm -hmm. I know I like to I first went through and I listened to all of the ones that were things that like I really loved and Mm -hmm. they were great and then I went through and I listened to all of the things that I had seen and they were really great and then I went through and I listened to all the things that I had heard of and they were really great and then I went through and I listened to all the rest and they were all really fun so I highly recommend for sure thank you yeah and uh Kyle composed our theme song So you get to hear Kyle's music and us shout out to thank Kyle at the end of of our pod. You can't you can't see me, listeners, but I'm blushing profusely right now. Oh, everybody. okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, Justine, where can uh, our listeners find you, your work, um, your podcast? And do you have any um, interesting online events coming up? 
I don't have anything specific in the hopper coming up, but um, if you were intrigued by what you heard today, you might be interested in Yoga Quest Online, where I teach yoga with narratives. So sometimes there's a full-on story that I that I tell and there are yoga poses linked to certain words, actions, objects in the story that I'm telling you. So it's kind of like Simon Says or a drinking game because you're adults. Um, <laughs> and then there are other uh, yoga sequences that are based around some kind of narrative, but it isn't exactly like a full told story. Um, I do mindfulness and meditations that have a pop culture bent. Uh, pretty much everything's focused around stories and storytelling because that's how I see the world. I'm a narrative therapist, uh, kind of buried the lead there. Um, <laughs> They're super and, fun. We, we love them. <laughs> and you can find um, info about Yoga Quest online, which is only $9.99 a month. That's less than a yoga class. It's probably less than a half a yoga class if you live in L.A. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can find that at yogaquest.org. And then you can find more info about what I'm up to. Um, I'm writing a book right now, also titled Starship Therapies, colon, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life. That'll be out in 2021. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to read it. That's so exciting. <laughs> you also have an essay in a book that I edited recently too that's coming oh, out. That's right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one's coming out this summer, um, Embodied Resilience with the Yoga and Body Image Coalition. Um, we co-edited that with um, Yoga International editors Catherine Ashworth and Tony Willis and then Melanie Klein from the Yoga and Body Image Coalition. And Justine wrote a really wonderful essay in that book, so definitely check that out. And you have some articles on Yoga International, too, and you have a new one coming out soon. So check those out as well, listeners, for sure. And then you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MindBodyFandom, because I take a holistic approach to healing mind, body, and fandom. And you can, <laughs> you can find us at, uh, you can find Yoga International at some version of Yoga International. Type it in the search bar on any social media platform. Maybe not, you know, like Friendster, MySpace, but everything else that actually exists to <laughs> this day and age. Yep. Um, you can you can catch the Starship Therapies podcast wherever podcasts are available. If you are on a platform where you do not have Starship Therapies, please uh, send me a direct message and let me know that there is a platform Starship Therapies is not yet available. And I will pass that along to our producer, Brian, our long suffering producer, Brian. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Justine. This was such a, a great time talking to you. I love that I got to spend a good portion of my workday doing this today. It was great. Oh, thank you so much. It was great to see you. And the nerd in me honors the nerd in you. Nerd must stay. <laughs> <laughs>